It's April 12th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I am so grateful you are joining me today. We will begin our reading in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1, through chapter 7, verse 15. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gilbeth Haroth. And I'm going to guess that Joshua didn't do this by himself, because that would be a heck of a job to have to circumcise an entire male population by yourself. Yeah, I don't know. You get a little insight into my ADHD mind there. Verse 4. Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the Exodus during the years of the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died, for they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not allow them to enter the land that he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rest in the ca- rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt, so that the place has been called Gigal to this day. When the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Now, let me pause here before we go on any further. Um, This is what theologians and scholars would call a Christophany. Uh, When we're reading in the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament was written before Jesus Christ. Uh, It points to Jesus. It uh, makes us beg for a Savior to come who would ultimately be Jesus. It prophesies of a Messiah who would come that would be Jesus. But Jesus, uh, who is, is God in flesh, the Christ, does not actually show up until the New Testament. Uh, But that does not mean Jesus didn't exist. Jesus wasn't born or created when he was born in Bethlehem. As the second member of the Trinity, the the Son, the Christ, he has always existed. Uh, Colossians in the New Testament would tell us that all things were created through him and for him. So in the Old Testament, what we see, and I'll point them out as we read across them in the Bible, are these amazing things where a character shows up and he's not an angel. Uh, He's something different. He is the Christ, and uh, most scholars would, would say this is an example of a Christophany, and there's some, some reasons why that is, and I'll, I'll show you those uh, as we read through here, but it's really cool to see Jesus kind of show up. People say Jesus isn't in the Old Testament. Yeah, he, he is. He doesn't just show up in the New Testament. He comes to earth um, ultimately and uh, fully as a human, 100% human, and yet 100% God in the New Testament, but he does show up in the Old Testament, and this is one of those examples. So anyways, it says, When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. I love that answer, by the way. Are you on my team or are you on their team? 
neither. I'm on God's team. Uh, the question is, what team are you on, Joshua? I love that. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. So this is clue number one that this is not just an angel. Because Joshua falls to his ground, falls to the ground in, in worship and reverence. And he says, I am at your command, Joshua said, what do you want your servant to do? Now, every time an angel shows up, people try to worship the angel because they're so glorious and uh, amazing. And when it's an angel, every time the angel says, stop worshiping me, I'm not the one to be worshiped. You worship God alone. Well, we see here, this man that has shown up does not tell Joshua to stop worshiping him. The Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. That's the second clue that this is God. Uh, this is exactly what God says to Moses when he comes in the burning bush. And where I am, this is holy ground. Take off your sandals. So we see that same language there. Really cool. Uh, that concludes chapter 5. Moving on now to chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. It's king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priest and said, Take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave order to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the ark, with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, and then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the Ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the Ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab and the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected the spies. So, uh, pausing here, we get a call back to, if you remember, Rahab showed great faith in God and Yahweh. Why? Well, because... Uh, she risked her own life for God's plan. Like she, she, she was all in. If she was wrong and Yahweh wasn't who He said He was, then, then she would have died. But she put her faith, her trust in Him. And James in the New Testament would say she's actually an example of the faith we should have. You know, it's easy to say you have faith, uh, but when it comes to push or shove, are you going to hedge your whole life, hedge everything you have, your family, your finances, everything on God? Because that's that's true faith. It's easy to raise your hand and say, Oh yeah, I believe in God, but. But when it comes down to it, true faith will show itself like Rahab. 
and um, God said he'd protect her. Rahab trusted in that, and we see here God is true to his promise. Uh, everything's destroyed except for Rahab and the prostitute, Rahab the prostitute and her family. Why? Because she trusted in God. Verse eighteen: Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will begin. You will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house, because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that at the time, Joshua invoked this curse. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his reputation spread throughout the land. That concludes chapter 6 of Joshua. We will now read chapter 7, verses 1 through 15 to conclude our Old Testament reading today. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. So pause. Remember, God said, I want everything destroyed here. Why? Because God's holy. He's set apart. His people must be holy and set apart. So we don't we don't take things from other people. We are our own people. God is setting up a new society, a new community. And he doesn't want the things of other gods and other communities. He is the pathway to life. All other pathways lead to death. So we are, uh, he's telling people, you know, eliminate all the pathway to death that is there. Follow me and me alone. So somebody has violated that, we learn here in the first verse of chapter 7. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Camri, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethaven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai, since there are so few of them. Don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they soundly were defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries. They killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? 
<laughs> I love that. Joshua's like on the ground worshiping, uh, begging God, praying to God, and God's like, get up, man. Like, this is not the point. I love that. Verse 11. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded that must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. And I love that. God knows when you're hiding things. He sees it. And we've tried to do that from the very beginning. In the garden, Adam and Eve, when they sin, what do they do? They cover themselves. They're ashamed. They try to hide and lie. You can't hide and lie to God. You can't hide from him and you can't lie to him. Verse 12. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. In the morning you must present yourselves by tribes, and the Lord will point to the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. That tribe must come forward with its clans, and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. The cl- that clan will then come forward, and the Lord will point out the guilty family. Finally, each member of the guilty family must come forward one by one. The one who has stolen what is set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire, along with everything he has, for he has broken the covenant of the Lord, and he has done a horrible thing in Israel. And that concludes our Old Testament reading for the day. Moving on to our New Testament reading of the day, it is one of the most famous Bible passages, period, Bible chapters, and that is Luke chapter 15. And this is going to encourage your soul today. Um, Quite honestly, uh, I've been frustrated uh, because this is the second time I've had to record this podcast. It's the second time... Uh, in a row, as far as days that I've had to record a podcast twice, because my microphone and computer just mess up out of nowhere, and um, it frustrates me. So normally when I read the passage, it's the first time I've read the passage, Uh, but today, like when I read it with you, I'm just reading it and sharing it in my devotion, but today, obviously, I've already read it, and uh, I'm going to read it again, and yet, as I read this passage, there's something soothing and powerful about it. It reminds me of the way God loves me. It reminds me of the way God pursues me. And it reminds me that in Christ I have everything, and including the struggles. And um, there's a reason I'm reading this twice. And there's a reason you're listening to it today. So as you hear this, you hear the heart of God. And I'm not going to add any commentary. I'm just going to read it straight through. Let it speak to you. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking actually to religious uh, Pharisees. Uh, who cannot see why God would want to pursue the broken, the downcast. Uh, And it's a great message for those of you who are sinners uh, and how God pursues you, but it's also hopefully a very good message to those of us who are Christ followers. Uh, Because this is is Jesus talking to um, people who are in God's kingdom. Let us not forget that we too have been given everything God has given us and, and never to think we're better than people and to always rejoice in seeing a wayward son come home. Anyways, Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. 
This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. (laughs) Verse 3. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have strayed away. Or suppose a woman has... Ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About this time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant." So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead, and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, All these years I've slaved for you, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost but now he is found. Amen. Remember that you were once lost, but you are now found in the gospel of Jesus. He came to pursue you. My favorite verse, I think, in the New Testament, one of them anyways. John chapter 3, uh, verse 16 is very famous. The verse that follows it says, For the Son of Man did not come to condemn, but to save the world. He came to save you. I don't know who that speaks to today, but he gave his life so that you might know him. 
He didn't come to condemn you, to make you feel guilty and shameful. No, he took your guilt. He took your shame. He bore it on the cross. All you have to do is trust in him. Repent. Turn from your wisdom, your way of seeing the world, to Jesus' way of seeing the world. You come to him like that as a beggar, as a sinner. You receive his grace, his mercy. You receive his Holy Spirit to give you power for life. And you receive a glorious hope that one day you will share in the resurrection, just as he was resurrected, as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And as Christ followers, we must never forget that. Because we are not better than anybody, and yet, uh, instead, we are called to invite others into the same way of life, that same grace Jesus has for us. That concludes our New Testament reading for the day. Moving on to the proverb of the day, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A mocker refuses to listen to correction. And finally, we will be praying through the 81st Psalm, and generally, when the Psalms are shorter... My man Asaph likes to write some long psalms, which you maybe have noticed as we've been in this section, uh, instead of praying through it verse by verse, just because that would take a long time on a uh, what's supposed to be kind of a, a brief podcast, so you can get your Bible reading in. Uh, I'm just going to read the whole thing, and then at the end of it, I will pray one prayer. But I would encourage you, as uh, maybe I say something, you hear something, and it stands out to you, and you want to talk to God about it, pause the podcast and pray. Or even better, tonight or today or whenever you have a chance, grab your phone or your paper Bible and do what we normally do and read a verse and pray and read a verse and pray as God would lead you. I think that's a very rich way to pray, very easy way to pray because you're literally having a conversation. That's what keeps it from getting boring. Uh, Prayers get boring when we pray the same thing over and over and over. If you pray through the Psalms, you're likely to not pray the same thing over and over and over because you are having a conversation. Psalm 81, it says, for the choir director, a Psalm of Asaph, to be accompanied by a stringed instrument. Verse 1 says this, Sing praises to God, our strength. Sing to the God of Jacob. Sing, beat the tambourine. Play the sweet lyre and the harp. Blow the ram's horn at new noon, and again at full moon to call a festival. For this is required by the decrees of Israel. It is a regulation of the God of Jacob. He made it a law for Israel when he attacked Egypt to set us free. I heard an unknown voice say, Now I will take the load from your shoulders. I will free your hands from their heavy task. You cried to me in trouble, and I have saved you. I answered you out of the thundercloud and tested your faith when there was no water at Meribah. Interlude. Listen to me, O my people, while I give you stern warnings, O Israel, if you would only listen to me. You must never have a foreign god. You must not bow down before a false god. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. Let me pause there. I know we don't pause in the Psalms, but that is every dentist's or orthodontist's favorite verse right there. Verse 10, you need to put this in your dental office. For it was I, the Lord, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. And look at this. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, There's a little bit more ADHD, Blake, for you. But I love that verse. (laughs) Verse 11. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be doomed forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. Lord, we know that your pathway is the pathway to life. And that Jesus came and showed us how to do it. He gave us the power to do it. And he gave us 
the grace uh, to be empowered to keep trying and to keep getting up and to keep working, knowing that we don't have to earn your love, but we live uh, in light of your love. We embrace that you love us, and that causes us to do right things, not the other way around. We don't do right things so that you love us. And uh, Lord, we do know that when we follow your pathway, it is as this would end. Uh, You feed us with the finest wheat and with the wild honey from the rock. It's only through you we can find true peace, experience salvation, know our purpose, and live fulfilled. Only through you, ultimately, that those things are achieved. And uh, Lord, just pray that we would turn to you. We would see your son, Jesus, embrace that gospel message today and begin to follow in your path so that we might experience all that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. That concludes our reading for uh, April 12th. Hopefully you're hearing this podcast and I'm not re-recording it for a third time. And uh, hopefully tomorrow's recording goes even smoother. But even if it doesn't, you won't notice because I will just post the best version possible of the April 13th reading through the one-year Bible. Why? Well, because this is the podcast where we read through the Bible together. And we will be back here tomorrow doing just that. Have a great afternoon, a great morning, a great day. I don't know when you guys listen to this podcast. Let me know when you listen to it. And also let me know what's standing out to you because this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast.